0: Wake the Dead with Sean McCann. Welcome to Wake the Dead. I'm your host, Sean McCann. Today we have a little treat. This is a rerun of sorts from another podcast. This is my appearance on Eyes Wide Open podcast. The host of that show is Hans Utter. He invited me on to discuss the band Tool and its occult significance. And we opened the show talking about Madonna's Eurovision concert from, uh, I don't know, spring of 2019. And, uh, I think it ends with a segment from a Mark Passio lecture where he describes the Tesseract and its significance to Satanism. So that's about it for the intro. Here is my May 26th appearance on Eyes Wide Open. Thank you for listening.
1: Eyes wide open, compassionate conspiracy, with your host, Hans Utter, Sunday nights, 8 to 10, on the Steemit Radio Network and the Awake Radio Network. All right, hello. Welcome to Eyes Wide Open. It is the 26th of May, 2019. And for the majority of the show, I'm going to be talking with Sean McCann about the band Tool. And just um, go over some headlines, which I haven't done for quite a while. It's always fun to do that. I wanted just to start out with a really fun story and just to lead off this story I'm just going to play a little bit of music and then I think people will figure out who I'm about to talk about. <laughs> Rotten, and this is one of the issues right now we're having throughout the United States. It's just not only homeless but housing crises. We're having property prices being out of the reach of most people. We find that also, say, in Vancouver. But the story. It is not that new, but I think it's quite entertaining. Oh, it's all the way back in April. Well, anyways, it's still worth going over here. He looks, man, he's looking rough, though. If you look at his picture, he almost looks like a, he doesn't look like a human, more like a cartoon character. But anyways, uh, this is from the Daily Mail, UK paper. There's needles on the beach and poo all over the sand. Sounds like one of his lyrics, right? Needles on the beach and poo all over the sand. Yes, Johnny. You reached your dream after being a, a wonderful vocalist. Well, I don't know. I don't think he's that good of a singer, sorry. But uh let's just go through this a little bit. And in fact he should have used those for lyrics. Needles on the beach, poo in the sand. That's a that's a number one punk rock hit if I ever heard one. Johnny Rotten says homeless people have moved en masse to his exclusive Los Angeles neighborhood of Venice Beach. The Acon says his multi-million dollar home has been vandalized. Rotten, famous for his anti-establishment anthem, Anarchy in the UK, admitted he called the police on audacious vagrants who set up camp outside his property. The Star says his publishing, Harris' wife, is struggling to cope with the scourge. Rotten insists he's not part of the establishment elite. Sex Pistol... Rocker Johnny Rotten is crying foul about the Los Angeles homeless crisis that has gripped his swanky neighborhood of Venice Beach. They moved in en masse. They're all young. They're all like 24, Rotten ranted to Newsweek reporter Paula Froek, the New York Times reported. The frontman, whose real name is Johnny Linden, added, they're aggressive, and because there's an awful lot of them together, they're gangy. Rotten's comments may seem somewhat ironic, given the star became a spokesman for aggressive anti-authoritarianism as a lead singer of the Sex Pistols in the 1970s. The rocker framed for his track Anarchy in the UK even admitted he was forced to call the police after homeless people set up camp in front of his residence. So, it's the audacity. The audacity he noticed... Um, so we just have a tremendous amount of vagrants of homeless people. And there's needles, there are about fifty thousand people around Los Angeles. Um and so, you know, basically it's housing costs, it's the economy, and there's a lot of other factors going on here because it's another story. Um Berkeley loves its sanctuary label, but a housing crisis is testing its liberal values. This is just from uh, 24th, two days ago. This eccentric Northern California enclave was a sanctuary long before the designation became a must-have merit badge for any left-leaning city. Berkeley politicians proclaimed the place a refuge for Navy soldiers resisting deployment to the Vietnam War nearly half a century ago. It was the birth of a movement to protect the outcast, and in some cases the outlaw, from the rules that this beat of its own drum city and its followers found immoral. Most recently, the deportation of undocumented immigrants. You know, India... Uh, they have a very strict immigration policy. I mean, if you overstay your visa, you're in trouble, okay? You can end up, I know people, even if you're a well-known, famous businessman, unless you can bribe the right person, you're going to get thrown in jail, okay? You'll get, you will face serious consequences for overstaying your visa. And that's not even coming in the country without a visa. This is just overstaying your visa, right? And so somehow the United States, you know, we are forced to help those who have illegally come to this country. That's the thing. theres I mean, there's laws that are very unjust, but if a nation doesn't protect its borders, is it just anybody can come on in? I mean, that's basically it. Just come on in and collect benefits and, you know. And we already have a huge homeless population, and let's just add to that. Let's just take away more jobs, let's put more pressure on the infrastructure, let's take more revenue from the tax base to support people that have never paid into it um, and that are basically working under the table, and let's just have a moral issue about it. Very few countries, well, except for European countries, right, Uh, allow undocumented people just to come in their country. You know, India is... Some parts of India are quite nice, but it's not really a destination for most people to to move to, and yet they're very strict with their immigration policy. For example, Sonia Gandhi, the wife of the Prime Minister of India, Rajiv Gandhi, um, until recently, in fact, as far as I know, she still has not been able to become an Indian citizen. She can't vote. So just think about that. I mean, And now we have people that are literally undocumented, and they're voting. Okay, that is really a unique uh, a unique facet of America. I, I'm not quite sure, I can't quite figure it out, but let me just continue with this. But California's housing crisis is testing whether Berkeley can remain that kind of place. Faced with sharp criticism from a changing population, city leaders have banned people from living in recreational vehicles, proving that even the most accepting of cities is not immune to the demands that often accompany wealth and gentrification. Businesses and residents have complained about the RVs blighting of city streets and by the burden they place on public safety and sanitation services. Well, okay, RVs are bad, but we're you know I, I think we should look at least in an RV, there, these people are not in these these homeless camps. And it, absolutely, I don't, you know, I, I understand it's very difficult. And, and many people, they lose everything. They end up on the street. It's, it's a difficult economy. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily the fault of the people that are homeless. It, but on the other hand, you know, okay, we're talking about RVs. So they're really the outcry, okay, from the RVs, um, scores scores long caravan of RVs which shewn head toward the invisible city limits. Um, but Berkeley's move serves as a parable for how one seemingly small government decision and a lack of basic coordination can rumble through a region short on housing and high in frustration. The ban itself was a reaction to steps larger cities and states have taken that created homeless migration around the Bay Area, disruptive and endless, in a region with the highest housing costs in the country. It's a cast 22, said Tom Valdell, 66 and homeless, who worked for decades breaking down ships along the docks of the East Bay. Valdell lives in a decrepit camper along 8th Street in Berkeley's Gilman neighborhood, a one-time warehouse district that is rapidly evolving, with wine-tasting rooms, microbreweries, and stores selling custom furniture made from reclaimed teak. A Whole Foods occupies a block around the corner from Valdell's tortoise shell, Sorry, turtle shell, as he calls his curbside squat. If they kick people out of their campers, then there will just be more people on the streets. Obviously, okay. Um, and then they they kind of profile this guy here, and show his his camper. It's pretty rough. Um, I wouldn't want to really live there, but the annual amount that the state will spend on home homelessness is one billion dollars. One billion dollars. billion. And let's just bring in millions of undocumented immigrants. So let's just blow this problem up. Let's add more people. I mean, you know, and here's the thing. You can, housing costs, you have property speculators that raise the cost through the roof so it becomes impossible to own a home. Homes did not used to be that expensive. If you look at the cost of home and per capita, and especially in certain bloated markets, they become, again, these investment Type of properties and they shut everyone is shut out, or except for the very wealthy, from even owning a home. So, so that you have this, the wealthy, you're liberal, but then you're allowing the wealthy to sort of walk all over the the city itself and the community and all of these things by creating this incredibly expensive, uh, you know, housing market, it's just insanely expensive, and then you got people in RVs. Well. We're going to throw them out of the RV so they can go live on the street. And let's just bring in millions and millions of more. And in fact, let's protect undocumented people. So, some guy who's worked his whole life, you know, and can't afford a house, not that he's a bum, he's a bum because the housing prices are absurdly expensive. And no, but let's just allow millions of people to come in the country that come here illegally, some of which are members of gangs that repeatedly cross the border, like MI6, cross them back and forth, but just allow them to come in. And then let's have someone who worked his whole life. Now let's kick him out of his RV. So now he's going to join the homeless population. It's, it's absurd. I mean, it's, you know, not only are you supporting the rapacious, uber-wealthy, but at the same time, you're, you know, destroying the infrastructure by adding more and more residents i mean i don't think we need to add more residents i think we need to fix our infrastructure i mean i don't know if anybody listening is driven around the united states recently i mean there's a lot of roads that are just really 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 bad okay we're talking like you know bridges you know falling collapsing I'm not talking about the feminist bridge in Florida, right, which is no men allowed except for the bridge collapsed and killed like 50 people, that's okay. But the whole situation is is ludicrous. I mean, there's simple solutions, and yet, you know, I forget the amount of immigrants. It's like, it's just insane. You know, any, yeah, you're gonna, there should be a percentage of immigration every, that's fine, of course there should be. But just this massive dumping and then you know you've got people demanding to come in the country you got the caravan so so what we're we're entitled anybody obviously they're getting to the border somehow they're not just walking the whole way they're just you want we want a better opportunity so just just come on in we demand you let us in you know and so this is a once proud nation that's of course you know world hegemon that's Got military bases ringing the globe, but yet we're going to just allow our own borders to come on in. <laughs> Anyways, the estimated cost of moving the region's homeless at more than $12 billion. $12 billion. Um, but again, you know, we have all kinds of. All kinds of things it's a failure of policy well it's a failure that you've just allowed the rapacious financial speculators and and those that you know just to jack the property costs off because basically this is when you have property costs and rent costs becoming so high that's a form of exploitation that is a form of burdening the economy unnecessarily now it's great for speculators and not that someone shouldn't cha- charge a fair price for a property i used to rent out rooms in my house you know i didn't really like doing it it was kind of a headache but i understand that but you know things can be affordable they didn't used to be that expensive yeah if you're buying you know the rothschild mansion or something in upstate new york it's going to be expensive but just for a decent space uh it, it, again it's based on speculation it's based on market driven driving these costs up um anyway so that's enough of that i mean i think we all know about this but it just really i mean these cities are just falling apart right and this is one of the most beautiful parts of the country i mean uh, a good portion of my family's from california and i've just seen the state just go down the drain and it was the uh it was really kind of the representation of the american dream well here's your american dream right now right how's that okay let's we'll just look at some of the stories here um we've got chinese reporters snooping around nato bases um and, of course, well, we have the, um, the saber rattling or jangling with Iran. And lots and lots of stories about that, right? This is nothing. So you've got Wesley Clark talking about five countries or seven countries in five years in 2008, etc. Uh, so, Iran... Uh, advisor to Iran's military threatens to send U.S. warships to the bottom of the sea with new secret weapon. Iran has once again made threats against the United States, which need not be taken lightly by those in Washington. A well-known advisor to Iran's military commands says Iran will strike U.S. warships in the region using a new secret weapon if provoked by Western stupidities. As tensions mount between the leadership of the United States and Iran over the botched Obama administration, uranium deal, and pressure from others in the region. No, it's not a botched deal. It's the fact that there has been massive amount of sanctions and, you know, even assassinations. You've got the MEK, Mujahideen Khalkh, khalq which is a terrorist organization which is hanging out in the United States, and they're really kind of a wacko cult with mixture of, you know, communism and Islam, Islamic stuff and just a really bizarre thing, but they, they you know, assassinate many, many people. I mean, you know, d- 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 sanctions are an act of war. So this is continuing. And the fact is that at the stage the U.S. is at right now, it's not really a good idea to attack Iran. Iran has extremely strong military. They have, they're a first world country. And that's another one of the blowbacks from the invasion of Iraq. And, you know, you could say I'm patriotic, maybe. I'm kind of patriotic. But I mean, look, do we win in Iraq? No. Do we win in Afghanistan? No. We're negotiating surrender with the Taliban. So you're going to go up against Iran? You're not going to go up against some impoverished country. You know, it's not just, you know, this is absurd. I mean, yeah, we could probably devastate Iran, but it would, wipe out most of the United States Navy. Um, most of the people in the, in the military, or a good portion of them, are in there now for the, for the money. You know I mean? In order to get some kind of opportunities and things like that. And the fact is that the military has been so abused by these imagined threats of terrorism, right? And in fact, those people that sort of form the backbone of the military are now basically being considered terrorists themselves. Isn't that an irony? Okay, DARPA, Funding Wearable Brain Machine Interfaces. Well, that's, this has been around for a while, but uh, and this is from Technocracy News. Technocrats at DARPA are intent on creating a non-surgical brain machine interface as a force multiplier for soldiers. The research will require investigational device exemptions from the administration. DARPA has awarded funding to six organizations from the next generation non-surgical neurotechnology N3 program, first announced in March 2018. Patel Memorial Institute, which is actually right here in Columbus, Carnegie Mellon University, John Hopkins University Applied Physics Laboratory, Palo Alto Research Center, Rice University, and Teledyne Scientific are leading multidisciplinary teams to develop high resolution, bi-directional brain machine interfaces for use by able-bodied service members. These wearable interfaces could ultimately enable diverse national security applications, such as control of active cyber defense systems and swarms of unmanned aerial vehicles or teaming with computer systems to multitask during compu- complex missions. DARPA is preparing for a future in which a combination of unmanned systems, artificial intelligence, and cyber cyber operations may cause conflicts to play out on timelines that are too far short for humans to effectively manage with current technology alone, said al Almundi, the N3 program manager. By creating a more accessible brain-machine interface that doesn't require surgery to use, DARPA could deliver tools that allow mission commanders to remain meaningfully involved in dynamic operations that unfold at a rapid speed. No, right? We've seen these technologies develop. And again, all the cybernetics stuff we've talked about before, all this stuff is tied together and linked together. Um, But it removes the need for surgery. But, you know, again... Wow, it's pretty interesting. Record neural activity and send signals back to the brain at high speed and resolution. Um, it's it's quite interesting, actually. You know, it does sound pretty neat, but you know, again, where is this going to lead us, and what is the Final resting place or final agenda, you know, and then of course, if you got one person controlling a swarm of drones, wow, that's a yeah, all right. Um, bipartisan thirst for more war, 75% of Congress calls on Trump to boost intervention in Syria to pressure Iran and Russia. So, the little re- regime change exercise in Venezuela failed miserably. And so let's just go ahead and pressure Iran. Let's get into a war that will wipe out what's left of the United States military. Uh, it's just ridiculous. Um, Tulsi Gabbert, war with Iran better serves the interests of Netanyahu and Saudi Arabia than the U.S. It serves no U.S. interest. There is no interest for us to go to war with Iran. Zero. In fact, there's a huge amount of negative interest in all of these wars, what have we gained? We haven't gained any territory, right? We've just, you know, we've lost, you know, massive suicide rate going on here and with the military, and we're just gonna go ahead and keep blowing up innocent people, you know, in the name of what, in the name of defense, you know, and this is ridiculous, but this is, you know, I don't know when you call it the Armageddon end times here. We're just enjoying, enjoying the journey. Hell in a handbasket, or whatever. Twenty-three um, percent of Americans are going into debt trying to pay for food, rent, and utilities. Americans have an average of six thousand five hundred six dollars of credit card debt. So you can't even survive anymore. This is the future, right? We don't. We have all this technology. We have all. Well, all the wealth is where it's concentrated, right? In a very, very, very small percentage of the population, and so we're. Going, We're going backwards every day, it seems like. Um, Merck created hit list to neutralize, destroy, or discredit dissenting doctors. Merck made a hit list of doctors criticizing Vioxx according to testimony in a Vioxx class action case in Australia. The list emailed between Merck employees contained doctors' names with the labels neutralized, neutralized, or discredit next to them. Okay and then we talk you know there's an interesting speech with uh, Robert Kennedy about vaccines just talking about they're not even tested you know and, and whatever testing they do they show amazing amazingly bad devastating consequences you have all of these new chronic diseases there was a massive spike and these are all now pretty much permanent and when they start oh they started in 1989 and what corresponds with that oh vaccinations you know going from like three vaccines to like 70 and now it's up to a couple hundred you know it just is not and they're not tested they're exempt in fact you know they're making it now you can't even many states the kids if they don't get vaccinated they can't go to school and most of the people are dying (laughs) the deaths are coming from the vaccines um if you don't agree with me just listen to say Robert Kennedy um we just keep going. Lots of, uh, you know, lots of leaks. We got the Ju- Julian Assange, Assange uh, you know, what's happened to that guy. Um, only 2% of Amazon shareholders vote against giving facial recognition to government. So that's kind of good. Okay. Oh, this is interesting, right? We have this soil and Green anyone's seen that movie. Soil and Green is people. Well, there's proposals to actually use human body parts in the, you know for, for compost or whatever. but this is uh, Washington just legalized the composting of human bodies and a move that's being held as a positive step by environmentalists. Washington has become the first state to legalize the composting of human remains, offering a more eco-friendly, alternative to traditional burial or cremation, especially if you're a cannibal, right? Government Jay Inslee, who has prioritized climate and environmental causes since coming into office, signed the bill on Tuesday. This law will allow those who die in Washington after May of next year to have their body, their bodies turned into soil. This is a track of mine off of the album, Bag John in Soul Garden, and I'll be right back. In a few minutes, we'll have the rest of the show about tool and occult music. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Eyes Wide Open, or perhaps the show formerly known as Eyes Wide Open, because someone else has the same name for this, um, for this show, but that, that's all right. You know, it's not maybe not the most original name of all time. But anyways, uh, so I'm joined again today by uh, Sean McCann, and what we're going to be doing today is looking a little bit more into tool. And, and try to outline some of the things that are happening around us and just to bring awareness to them, to people in their experience that they may not know that there's a whole array of things that are happening, especially happening now, right? We're really in a time where things are, are speeding up and things are taking place. And there's this you know, term, of course, in masonry, the revelation of the method. So what we're seeing is the revelation of the method over and over again, things that would basically be unthinkable in the past are now in terms of being shared with the general public are now right openly done in our faces. They're no longer even veiling these, um, these types of occult rituals. So before we look in the tool, I just wanted to bring up the uh, Eurovision uh, song contest that, uh, that Madonna, who is now like really reached a, a point of who knows what kind of point she's reached. Uh, you know, she's definitely, <laughs> she's definitely singing. Uh, you know, I think my, I honestly, I think my dog sings better than she does, but, um, <laughs> my dog is also not named Madonna. So let's talk about, this, this, uh, th- this visual ritual, because one, th- one thing I just want to mention too, is that the music itself, at least what I've heard of it, because I never got to see the actual performance because it was taken down just two days after the event, but the music itself, what I've heard of it is just, you know, your kind of generic pop fluff reggae song, you know, it's like Snoop lion or whatever. It could, it could be any type of uh, generically produced song so that's interesting that you have music there's not like a unless there's things i haven't heard in the song of course but you know unless you don't have a lot of intense powerful dissonance you don't the music itself is the kind of stuff you just hear it in the background you wouldn't even give it a second thought you just just mm-hmm. like just like uh, fluff right it's like you hear when you're getting your teeth drilled in the dentist office they could play that song unlike tool right but why don't you sean why don't you right. go ahead and talk about that uh what you got out of that uh that performance
2: Yeah, um, I guess, like, the the main overall message that I got from her was uh, she was reminding us of the persecution of the Christian church on paganism. And she was trying to awaken the pagans to fight. And then she reminded us of the the Israel-Palestine conflict. And... um, I'm I'm thinking that maybe it's a a charging for the event to get us, like, subconsciously on board with uh, tribulations to come and war, uh, basically. Uh, And there, I mean, there was a lot of, there was a lot of um, other, like, there's a lot of symbolism that that ties to the goddess, that ties to... um, you know, pagan idolatry, and everybody else is saying, "Oh, it's just Satan," you know. And I think what she's saying, ultimately from her perspective, is a positive thing. She's trying to awaken the interned apprentice. She's trying to get people started on the path towards the mysteries, you know. And but she's also setting in her in in her sights for destruction the Christian Church. And she plays, uh, I mean, maybe maybe the Catholic Church, basically Rome. And in a sense, uh, she's she's just doing her part in the age-old war between the Jews and Rome. It's just it's another chapter in the same old story since the burning of the First and Second Temple. You know, uh, it seems like this is the call to arms. Come on, let's fight. And uh some of the <clears throat> some of the lyrics are uh uh you know, not everyone's gonna make it to the future. Not everyone is learning from the past. Uh and she's uh you know that, that hints to, to trials and that hints to coming uh you know tribulations and nobody's somebody's not people aren't going to make it through the bottleneck of this event, you know? And, uh, if you, and then the symbolism has a lot of, uh, I guess I can just go through it here. Like, um, I don't know if you want to say something.
1: Yeah. I'll I'll just jump in there. You know, I think that in my estimation, you know, there's another level. And so there's, I'm sure there's a variety of actual messages, but even more important than the messages, are the fact that this is a psychodrama this is a mass ritual event right so this is an event this is an occult working in which the you know that's open for most of the planet right and you know and of course they they took down the video but you see these events how they're they're tying in Um, and you, you can go back to the renaissance right the beginning of these type of you have certain types of operas you have used to have these kind of dramas Um, you know, where you go to the manor house and there'd be these activities going on and people wearing masks and people wouldn't even really know what was going on. It just looked like some kind of elaborate, you know, real time kind of a play background entertainment, but actually the whole thing was a ritual process. So it's not only working with the energies, but it's working with the psyches of those participating in it. Um, And, and so, yeah, and we'll go over the symbolism, but why don't you uh, go ahead? Do you want to, go through the lyrics um or whatever you're about to talk Yeah
2: about. Uh, I guess I can start with the lyrics uh, some of them the ones that I that I picked out uh from I mean she played the the first part of it was um was one of her old songs uh like a prayer you know you're familiar with that where the video she was like kissing on a on a black jesus and whatever is real controversial and Pepsi like stopped working with her and all that bullshit um, so anyway, she started with that, and then she went into this other song called Future, and I looked up the lyrics, uh, I mean, they're, some of them are, uh, you ain't woke, come here woke and hear the broken, come give hope, come give life, only got one, so we gotta live it right, come make peace, come to pick an aspiration come complete you advise positive vibes, open your mind, open your eyes. I mean, that's like, you know, waking up the dead. Once you, once you have ears to hear, you can, you can hear the broken, you know, you have compassion. Once you understand like the, the torture of, of her, her fellow pagan women, you know, uh, there's another line. There's a, another piece here. We can light up the dark. Everyone has a spark. Don't tell me to stop because you said so. Your future is bright. Just don't turn off the light. Tell the sun not to shine because you said so. Yeah. Like, uh, well, that it reminds me. Of, go ahead.
1: Oh, yeah. No, th- that's one thing I, I, you know, wanted to, to touch on is that, again. You have a song that that you know. On the surface, um, well, the music itself is just pretty innocuous, and in the lyrics, seems right. kind of a positive vibe—open your mind, free your mind, you know. But right. you, if you look at the last lines, right? So you have this one thing very clearly people should understand is that Madonna may be an initiate, so the the high-level initiates, oh yeah, the 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 regular the mass of humanity is simply. Uh, prima materia to be used in occult workings or and actually to be sacrificed to be stripped of their energies and their soul so you know you don't know, right. unless come you
2: give your life come give life you know come give hope give life you we only got one right so give it to the working like sacrifice it to this yeah. other, like
1: energy it, exactly give your hope Come complete you advice. Okay. Oh, okay. Right. B- but so then, but then we have the next line. Not everyone is coming to the future. Not everyone is learning from the past. Not everyone right. that's here is going to last. So they're actually talking right. about why, you know, it's not what it sounds almost like a depopulation thing. Of course. What do you mean? Not everyone here is going to last. I mean, hey, of course we're all going to die, but sure. if you go down a little bit more specifically, um, you know, you go down to, well, um, verse two, I, I I hope you know my life is gold. I drip that ice. I see the signs. Just free your mind, free. Welcome to the future. It's a culture ride. Too much pain inside. It's an override. You've been putting too much time trying to survive. Don't be like the person in your class so you let them die. So notice that. (laughs) Let them die. So you let them die. Yeah. So what does that mean? The person, the person in your class. What does that mean? Does that mean your school class? Does that mean in your social class? Does that mean that right. that cultural you, ride? Is, is, does that right. mean that basically they're saying, okay, join this occult working, or and and you know, because it, it, it is talking about, you know, let them die. So you don't like right. if you don't like someone, you 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 let them die. Uh, you know, and then I think there's all. Well, also we have ice you know we have ice gold right. and ice and signs. Gold. Signs. right so these like she's
2: like the gold of alchemy like she has like achieved the gold you know she's been through it and she's dripping ice like uh like it, the dripping of ice, like ice reminds me of like 32nd degree not 33rd degree like it's dripping off of her or something maybe she's like i don't know i I have no idea. Maybe that's that might be too far into it, but but still, like uh, this is this is the kind of imagery that they're using. It's it's like Masonic imagery and uh, you know occult. Uh, go
1: ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah. So of
2: trailed so, off. And up no, no. <laughs> so
1: here is the one thing, though. Again, so you have a very you know I've just seen some pictures of it. I mean, we'll get into the visual aspect because that's but what's going on here is directly. There is no question. Right. And when we start talking about tool, there is no question that this is an absolutely an occult ritual on a very mass scale that's connected with many, many other events and part of a much broader thing. Right. So we have the gold as the final stage of the alchemist transformation. But part of that is the, you know, the destruction of every existing social norm more a, uh, you know race culture whatever right. and recreation of the world so that's sort of what she's alluding to and then if you right. what's interesting is that you know the last line of these verses so there's a bridge we can light up the dark everyone has a spark don't tell me to stop because you said so what what is it? Okay, what even did okay. I mean? Your future is bright. Just don't turn off the light. Tell the sun not to shine because you said so. So this is the power, right? So now we're looking. Here's a distinction, right, between you could say mm-hmm. um, the natural law or something that's in harmony within the natural world, um, mm-hmm. even within the natural. If people believe in them like within the the elemental spirits which you know there's not just like one there's many but in this case Mm. it's this idea of controlling nature this is the the goal of this elite level is to completely control everything everything so there is your
2: will over everything yes
1: right yeah and i don't think anything about this there's this this chorus which is really weird post-chorus future quavo past sparkle future I, I, yeah. I don't know what that even. What's Quavo? Well,
2: there's there's another artist there that says the second part. Oh, I see. There's there's, a, there's another person there that says Sparkle. When she says one thing, he says another. That's why it, it's like that. Um, and I mean, every like, light up the dark, right? With the light of the mysteries, with the light of truth and knowledge, right? Everyone has a spark. That's like every man and woman is a star from Crowley and lighting up the dark like that's what they do the stars light up the darkness of the night sky you know it's it seems like a a a crowley reference as well as and i think that that's they also use uh Lima and oto uh symbolism in their rituals like you'll see that with katie perry and the other one
1: yeah absolutely and and so you know, we just look. First of all, she's got what she's wearing, right? She's got this. uh She's got this. The crown, right? Her little whore of uh, you know the uh, whore of Babylon uh crown she's okay. wearing, and then she has that. Okay, one eye. So for any Illuminati fans, that that's right there, right? You have this one eye, this X, and right. so that X not only the
2: she's been awakened.
1: Well, the X is also you know is a reference to the uh, like a sign of the beast to to actually um it is so it's the mark that she has become part of this new ruling elite and or this new satanic whatever you want to call it um and like satanic is probably not even of course the right word um but
2: uh if you look at her dress actually she has a she has like what looks almost like an ouroboros on the lower part of her which would form an o and the top part of her has an x So she has the O and the X, which is the sign of the beast, like combined on her dress. Like they're not together like the sun wheel, you know, but they're they're separate letters, but they are distinct on her black robe. I'm not sure if you can see in the pictures, like I because I was able to see it during the two days that it was on YouTube. And uh, so I can recall it. But I don't know if you can see uh, an image online that that
1: shows that But that's what she was wearing yeah well i mean this well the whole you know unfortunately i'm not getting you know enough pictures you know of it which kind of is a drag but there's one thing is like where everybody dies right everybody is like lying dead on the ground i have seen one picture here that's yeah. so right if you're wondering about this is wiping you know you're talking about wiping out you know going to the georgia stones, right just wiping out most like, of the earth's population that that appears to be what she's saying isn't it and what she's right. showing it's not even what she's saying and notice you yeah. have these columns the, the tops of the columns are cut off so like you've right. you, <laughs> so you've removed well, oh go ahead, go ahead
2: so like uh, the beginning it starts with uh you know, these, there's these stairs, which is a truncated pyramid, like a trapezoid. And uh, she's at the top of the stairs, and there's other monks, and they all have robes on. And she's at the top, and behind her is a projection of a red skull, like in light on uh, some cloth or whatever, but it's distinctly a skull of red. And she's wearing a black robes of Saturn. You know, and then she starts singing the thing. And then when she says, and it feels like home, she reveals her one eye, you know, and then uh, there's these pagan or OK, the monks, these monks bring, carry up pillars up the stairs and the pillars that you're talking about without the tops. And they place them on either side of her. So this, in a sense, makes her the high priestess tarot card. She's between yakin and Boaz. And then she falls dead. So she's the goddess, and she she is fallen dead, right? And she's under this death head skull. And then uh, these, these women come out, dancers, and uh, they have flowers on their hair, like uh, maidens that are dancing around the maypole. You know, that's what they're dressed like. But they have a gas mask on. Like, they're living in filth, toxic, but they, you know, they're her maidens or whatever. She's making recall, making us recall pagan ritual rites of yesteryear or whatever. And uh, and then all the women and then and on the screen, she has pictures of like uh, priests, um, you know, evil looking face of a of a priest and some Roman Catholics or whatever. And then everyone falls dead in fire. Like the backdrop is all fire, and all the women fall dead. She falls dead too. And then, uh, so that that like recalls the church's war on paganism and it makes us remember like why we're mad at them, you know. And then, uh, then the next in the next scene, uh, the, the background that was fire. Had uh, upset had downward pointing triangles for the goddess, like obvious goddess symbolism, and then uh, there was the Statue of Liberty, and you know amongst the fire, so we can imagine it's New York on fire or whatever. But also her her torch arm is broken. Most obviously, it's like very visible that her torch arm is broken, and the torch, the illuminated torch, represents the goddess. And that, you know, that's what the gift from France was, uh, was an occult Masonic gift, you know, that, that represents, uh, the God, the light of the goddess, uh, Columbia, you know, and that is broken in fire, you know, and, uh, and then the, the, and then later these, um, Israel and Palestine, like these figures wearing flags on their backs, uh, are hand in hand, like like they're hugging each other. And they're walking up the stairs towards Madonna. And uh, this is during the line where it says, it's the future where you got to pay the cost. It's the future where you come from being lost. And then at the top of the stairs, they separate. Like they're no longer in arms and they separate. Uh, and then, uh, and, and then that has, uh, you know, everyone dies again. So uh, it ended with uh, wake up, big letters, you know, basically trying to get everybody to start and to pay attention to, um, you know, the occult and start down the, like I said earlier, start on the path of the mystery, like waking the interned apprentice like bringing them into the mystery the first degree you know
1: yeah well i I think there's yeah and there's several you know layers of course the fact this has many many layers and and part of it is okay there's initiation for those on the outside right and then there's also the the symbolism of what's being done on a, a geo strategic on sort of a the planetary history and so you can see this almost as a marker for this final end game end stage because x is right. a that x on the eyes like so x is known in masonry as a It's it's a symbol of transformation. If I believe correctly, I think it's the 17th degree of Masonry, where you have the X, and that shows your it has this duality, black and white, which we you know there's lots of that, um, especially at the last event at the Eurovision, this big you know black and white checkerboard, right? So it indicates this transformation, this crossing over. It also indicates death. It's a symbol of death. Okay, right, Um, and and so we have this, and as well as Um, it's X is also marking the spot of a a occult ritual. It's used to mark and say this is, you know, (laughs) it's it it, and it's so it's a certain kind of locking in the, uh, the um the the occult ritual and, and stating that you know it's sort of a signature, but it's also X marks the spot is also it it sort of locks that energy into that space, or you could even say that collective field, temporal field. Um, but it's also um related to. The mark of the beast. Um, it connects with the Kabbalah, the Tree of Life. Um, we have the two pillars. Um, so the um, the two pillars actually just also represents the esoteric, you know, the energy, the left and right energy channels, and the central channel energy channel. But you have Joachim and Boaz, right? These two Masonic pillars, and so this actually tie is tying in directly with nine eleven. So you look at this whole thing as unfolding from that. I think all this stuff. I mean, there's obviously other um you know locked in rituals you look at 1960s and there's a whole bunch of stuff you know over 10 usually i'd say 25 year period but i think from 2001 to this date we're almost hitting you know well it's almost going to be 20 years right and so a lot of these events are staged and they're unfolding and so this is indicating this whole process and really tying things together um in in, in a lot of different ways um and and so I'll, i'll and just not to keep going about the um the the uh, eye patch, but if we look at it, so in the future where we come from, being stars, and and just one thing to say is that so the uh, the, the maidens are wearing gas masks. That's indicating what the the die off, right? You're gonna wipe out a huge portion of the population, and people that become part of this occult uh you know this the other side so well mm. maybe they'll be preserved who knows but the, so i think the gas masks also show that there's you know there's gonna like if you have a gas mask on and people are gas as long as your mask doesn't leak you're going to survive right so that that's another indicator but let's, the last right. lyrics um it's a future where we come from being stars and uh, it's the future where we come from being hard it's the future where we come from beat, beat them all it's the future where we come from huh. being boss it's a future where you gotta pay the costs. it's the it's a future where you come from being lost it's a future crucifixion on a cross but you know that I'm yeah. gonna rise above it all yeah so they're almost they're telling you also well hey we're gonna sacrifice you you, you idiots watching this you know <laughs> uh, yeah
2: and if you if you are like if you have Christ consciousness then you can be resurrected you can make it through you know you can pass through the auth and come through the other side you know what i mean whereas everybody else is going to be left shattered in the clepoth you know
1: yeah but also and, indicating that that they're rising above the cross, right, and they're rising above that, and so that's no longer right. because it's almost like they're they're talking about oh, right. a future world. They're, they're coming from this future world where they've already established the total planetary control grid, and everyone is a right. slave or else wiped out. And they have, you right. know, and this is a goal. This goes back it's hundreds, if not thousands, of years. Okay, this is not something right. new, but it's really very vigorously tied in again, you look at the church, the Notre Dame fire where there's a, there was a, a fire also at the, uh, the guardhouse at the, uh, at the temple, the dome of the rock, um, right on the same day, right. you know, how much, you know, there's all, you know, you all this stuff is directly Obviously connected. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Tied in. So, um, anyways, yeah. So that's, um, I think that's enough there of Madonna. Um, but it's, it's <laughs> definitely, you know, it's definitely interesting. Um, and I, you know, if I had more time, I would certainly kind of, uh, you know, dive into it more. Sure. I, I just, know um, what I mean is that just even, re, you know, resourcing some of the stuff, because it is getting really interesting now. There was, you know, after a certain point, you just see all this occult, Symbolism and stuff and all these videos and it's like okay it's reached this extreme level so I can see ten more videos and see even more graphic uh, self harm right for example how about that show thirteen it's a, a thirteen uh, on on Netflix there's a thirty percent spike in teen oh. suicides from that show and there's music videos of uh, what's it, selima Gomez where she's like physically abusing herself and like you know doing like really harmful things to her her body and herself and yeah. so that that's uh,
2: and it's a child right it's like a teenager.
1: Yeah, and but, she, but, uh, yeah she's a Disney child star just like you know my so so these 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 little kids that grew up with her and they're you know they're you know they're like they're like eight nine years old when that child star is eight nine years old they're following them into these like you know these as they get more and more degraded you know um, and 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 so yeah it's it's quite uh, uh, quite fascinating and and again just to state that these are you know these are types of cult workings or rituals which we see on mass scales that that have a psychological effect is also a level of of inducing fear and trauma so the thing about this music is not really heavy it's not like you know some hardcore you know death metal or anything like that it's very sort of innocuous it kind of lulls your mind while these symbols are going through because if i think on a subconscious plane anybody watching this should be like wow this is, she's saying. She's saying like we should. We're going to wipe out most of the Earth's population, and and, and, <laughs> and whether or not you're going to be part of this, this level, because that's also questionable. Because how many people become servants or tools of the powers of darkness and just get sacrificed because they're expendable, right? Yeah, so, then right.
2: I mean, like if the elite think that they're going to make it through, like they're they're also tools. You know what I mean? They are, they're like just. Cogs they're just bricks in the wall, you know. Um, they're not the ones on top. Even though there's others below them and they wanna make themselves feel like they're on top, they're really just part of the control mechanism being stepped on by others, you know.
1: Yeah. All right. Well what does um let's go ahead and segue into tool. Why don't you go ahead and talk about some sure. of that stuff that you were you were sure. uh, getting well, into?
2: Yeah. If uh if you wanna like if you think about it, uh, a tool concert is uh is an occult working you know what i mean it's a magic ritual, just like this eurovision concert was and uh they they use they they induce trance with their repetitive drumming um Danny Carey uh studied tabla and he was he even brought a Lok Duda on tour with him for a while like in 96 um who was a famous tabla drummer and it, it in, you know, induces trance where you accept more readily, you know, it's, uh, and that combined with, I mean, you accept the message more readily and the subconscious influence, and that combined with the uh, psychedelics that they encourage the fans to use makes it quite an experience. You know, it's the peak drug experience for most people in their lives. Like if you ever talk to somebody that's a fan of going to concerts and getting messed up, you know, and really getting super high, they always say that Tool is like number one, you know, like I, myself, like I have seen Tool like 10 or 11 times and they're better than Roger Waters to speak. You know, they're more spectacular than like Pink Floyd concert and, uh, and they're because they're such masters of what they do, their craft, you know, they're such good musicians. And, uh, we can talk about with, like, I can get into some quotes, uh, describing how, um, uh, Danny, what Danny, the drummer, uh, is doing with his drums and his drumsticks, which are basically magic wands. If you think about it, uh, we can kind of dissect a few things that uh, were actually said. It's not hearsay, you know, and uh, some real quotes and some other things that were printed in uh, drummer world magazine and whatnot. So it's not just an opinion of what I think the band is or does like we can, we can give some examples and let everybody think about it, let them decide.
1: Yeah. and, and, and again, With some of the stuff, you know, it's sometimes it's fun to kind of go off into speculative realms, right? Because, so for example, um, I I guess I did that a bit talking about the Madonna uh, (laughs) video. But on the other hand, you know what? There is. Say for example with uh, the tool that there's so much. It's not like this is an isolated thing. Okay, we got the. We'll talk about the tesseract and all this stuff. And so this is, and then his book collection and his his uh, you know, and then we'll talk about his t-shirts. So this is a this is part of a a very clear but, um, pattern that it's not like just imagining something is going on or you know something you're alluding to something you know. There's guilt by association. This is very directly articulated now there's an extrapolation because you're not going to tell every single thing that's going on so yeah why don't you read some quotes uh regarding his drum set and all that
2: uh what was that i'm sorry go go ahead and continue with the quotes um uh well okay so the uh the drumsticks are wands uh one is used to uh summon certain spirits in uh wiccan uh wiccan rituals like uh so if you uh if if you're looking up uh what you do to use what what if you're going to do an occult working or a ritual in, in, with a wiccan altar you have your um your chalice and you have your blade and you have your wand and you have your what have you basically tool is one of those tools that you have on your altar to do your magic work. So, um, that's, uh, you know, that's what a magic wand is. That's what Danny's drumsticks are. Um, and, uh, Maynard Keenan actually said, uh, he explained one time the intentions for using the name tool. Uh, he says, Tool is exactly what it sounds like. It's a big dick. It's a wrench. We are your tool. Use us as a catalyst in your process of finding out whatever it is you need to find out or whatever it is you're trying to achieve. To me, that's saying, like, whatever you're trying to find out or achieve, that's a magic working, you know? And a big dick is basically the obelisk, you know, that's their biggest symbol, the biggest symbol of, um, you know, uh, basically male domination, uh, and control of, of sorcery, you know, uh, if, and their original, their original, uh, symbol was, uh, was, uh, it was a it was a wrench. I guess depicted as a penis with two balls, and in the balls are uh, canted black squares, two of them. So uh, the double square is a direct represent is a direct reference to uh, the hypercube, and that is the biggest symbol for Satanism. Uh, the hypercube represents um, the uh, the prison of the re- the real- the the world the prison of reality and the prison of the mind there's the double prison and uh, the he uh, they also had the tesseract on Danny's drum set uh, when they were on tour in like 96 97 uh ninety eight when they were touring for the Anima album. Uh and that he had a two-dimensional representation of tesseract and uh that it's a geometric symbol that the outer the outer rim is shaped like an octagon and uh the octagon is basically the inside of a double square. Like if you lay two squares on top of each other That creates an octagon which represents locking down the mind cage you know uh the the prison of of the mind you know slavery and imprisonment domination uh that's what it represents basically so that's what this that's what this music is doing to people it's dominating their mind you know
1: yeah and, and it's uh, important to know just he has that um he has he's has that eight pointed you know uh symbol seven uh, se- right, seven right. sorry seven i'm sorry no on, on yep. his on his snare drum um so that's you know, see one one two three. Four, right. four, it's a seven pointed with sigils there's sigils in each, so one, that of the, it's a, each right. one of the each one of the
2: size he does like a and i have horace in the top one and he like it's a that's an obtuse heptogram. It's a seven pointed
1: seven star, pointed star, yeah, yeah.
2: With obtuse obtuse angles rather than acute. Um and the uh the at the top is a one pointing star or one pointing angle, uh, whereas at the bottom there's two. And Crowley for his um the sigil for his AA, uh Silver Star, um uh magical order was that star upside down where there was two pointing up and one down and then the four, the other four, you know, two on either side.
1: Yeah. So, and that, that seven pointed star is all over the place with tool, right? You see it prote- projected on the yes. b- background. Sometimes um, it's on, on his bass drums, right? On both bass yes. drums. And uh, yes. y- you know, so it, it's re-
2: their main, that's their main symbol now okay. is, is the seven pointed star. And uh that that seven pointed star is a uh, is a major symbol in the Sigilum de, de Ameth um from John D. The uh it's a uh, the big sigil sigilum de Ameth, the seal of the truth of God. Um and that has heavily rooted in the number seven, uh connected with the seven planets of astrology. And basically it, it has like the names of of the seven of the gods that rule the seven planets in different forms on the sides of the on around the points of the um. and then in the center there's there's like a five pointed star. And then around that uh is is others like it's very complex. But if you look up the sigil sigilum de Ames. Uh, you'll know what I'm saying, and that that has. I mean, I believe that's where Crowley got it, um, the seven pointed star, and I believe that that they used because Danny Carey is such a self professed Crowley file. Um, they used the same star, but they inverted it to. I'm I'm assuming a positive position, whereas Crowley had it in a negative. Um, the upside down the one that Crowley used also had the circle with an X in it directly at the top, uh, right above the star that, that he uses for the star of Babylon, he calls it,
1: um, Babylon. So, working. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, so that's what these are, right. These are, you know, the workings, these are workings. These are the ritual working processes. So it, it's also, it's not only transforming the participant. It's supposed to sort of transform, uh, the world itself to a certain certain degree, right everything kind of adds right. up and, and, and yeah, and he's really into this stuff um you know big time and, and Crowley, once you look into him he's uh, he was a really a vicious pretty nasty uh nasty human being yeah. um and, right. and and i I've heard this from a source that i I find to be incredibly questionable generally speaking, but he said something that a lot of the some of the uh, the even the Kabbalah on some of these practices they're not giving out the complete full practices or they're giving out practices where you don't actually necessarily get the full power but you open yourself up to being a tool <laughs>
2: you know <Right>. exactly um, <laughs> do, do you have any- yeah, and that's what they're doing with the you know like I said earlier with the psychedelics and with the environment of the concert and with the people there uh, they're opening up their heads you know and they're putting in these ideas. Um, they play songs like Third Eye, where it has a clip of Timothy Leary. And most most recent concerts now, they also added a clip of uh, Terrence McKenna, you know, in that same song. Um, and they they, like, inculcate beliefs into your mind while you're suggestible, you know. Uh, one of the one of the songs that they did, um, I talked about this in the other podcast we did, is called "Disgustipated," where uh, they explain like basically it's like hammered into you: life feeds on life, and you know carrots feel pain, so you're already killing, so you might as well eat animals, you know, and it's like a justification for that, so it makes people um, callous and you know encrusted in their belief and then when you if uh if you start saying if you say to someone that you don't want to cause harm to another sentient being then they say something like oh well carrots feel pain you know and then that gives them justification in their mind for them to do what's wrong you know and i know a lot, i mean i i think it's wrong to kill other beings just for just to steal their flesh, but you know other people because it's so obviously wrong. They need those justifications to like keep them firmly doing the immoral, you know. So that's kind of that's one of the many things that tool was being used for. Uh, and I think in later years, tool is doing something new. You know, they're trying to, to have a more positive effect, but I believe they are still um I believe they're still working towards uh locking our minds down into the, the prison of, you know, immorality and, you know, <clears throat> negation of care. Um that's what I mean that's why Crowley was such a terrible person. Like he burned away his care so that he could do the most evil things, so that he could learn all the knowledge that he could gain you know um like just look at what he did uh to i mean in the desert with karan's on i mean like that's some of the craziest stuff i ever heard of and you know what would possess a person to do that you know like look at when he was a kid like he wanted to kill a cat so he destroyed it in many different ways because he heard that uh cats have nine lives so i gotta crush its face i gotta throw it out the window i gotta set it on fire like so his mind is psychopathic you know and i think people idolize him because he was psychopathic and they want to be psychopathic it's like they enshrine that in their you know in the dark cult i think that that is the ideal for them because then they don't have to um they don't have to comply with natural law. They don't have to live by, you know, the rules of this world. You know what I mean? Um, anyway, I went on a tangent, but this is a quote. <laughs> this is a quote from Drummer's World magazine, and I think it was 2006. I cannot find the original quote. Like, this is all over... The Tool band website. This is all like Tool Army, Tool Navy. They call these are the band. These are like the groups that um, that that are online, and they call themselves Tool Army, just like Kiss Army, you know. And they and then Tool Navy also, and it's ironic because Navy is basically what pushes what is pushing all the music. You know what I mean? Like it's a it, you know the navy start. The navy is responsible for radio as we know it in America. You know what I mean. And you know it's, and, you know look at Jim Morrison's dad is a navy. All the Laurel Canyon is all navy. So, but anyway, so it's funny that they call themselves the Tool Navy, but these are the diehard fans, and they talk about everything Tool related. You know, they talk about when the album's coming out. They talk about, and they even talk about like aliens and like really. You know, high-minded weird stuff, and this was on uh, this was on one of those threads here. It's a quote from supposedly from Drummer's World magazine in, in around 2005 or 2006, and it says here: despite not becoming a Mason or aligning himself with any other school of religion, Danny has maintained his heritage's interest in occult studies endeavors into this realm have manifested periodically such as the time he achieved insight into a hidden aspect of the universal hexagram utilizing an astral journey initiated through meditation and dmt danny <clears throat> danny then set up his drums into proportions utilizing the circle and square of the New Jerusalem and uttered a short prayer relating to the principles of the Ace of Swords from the Book of Toth. He then performed a ritual utilizing his newfound knowledge of the Universal hexagram to generate a pattern of movement in space relating to Fuller's vector equilibrium model. The resulting rhythm and gateway summoned a daemon he has contained within the Lodge that has been delivering short parables similar to passages within the Book of Lies. Danny recommends, as a device of protection and containment, a thorough study and utilization of the underlying geometry of the Temple of Solomon, or anyone purchasing their next record.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly that. See, that's the final stage, right? So what we're looking at here is actually, um, you know, again, you can choose to believe it or not. um, But what's going on here is, you know, again, whether you believe it or not, obviously those that are involved believe it either on a psychological plane, but I, I do feel that it is... It is really a sort of a, ba- a battle for the um, for the soul or the consciousness of humanity. And in fact, so the black, you know, that that tesseract, right? That's like the black cube they talk about in cybernetics. That is the yes. ultimate prison from which, once you enter into that tesseract, there is no escape. It is the ultimate eternal prison, um, and it's, so it's right. like your soul is captured. So what you have is he's actually talking about summoning these you know, entities, and then, you know, supposedly, you know, restraining them, you know, so you can see also that, um, you know, that I, I, I'm looking up some pictures, and so they've got that seven-pointed star. Sometimes you have the, the, it's sometimes there's two points, up and sometimes oh. the one point is up so there's there's I found about 10 different pictures of that and sometimes they have yeah. the the one point pointed up and there's a picture of them on stage with that image and behind it is the it's a demonic entity like a you know it's a you know full kind of a film you know, I mean, of a, a visual right. image. On it, it does like, yeah. On the projection, you know, that uh, behind, you know, there's that, 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 that um, seven pointed star. And then behind that is this huge right. demonic entity, which is looks, you know, it's, it's a pretty terrifying, I mean, obviously I'm not scared looking at, but it's obviously a demonic <laughs> entity. And if you've, anyone who's ever right. sort of gone into these astral dimensions, um, the, you know, the, the demonic entities, you know, y- there's stuff that's real and stuff that's not, you look at Motley Crue, right. um, certainly, um, you know, Mars was involved Involved in some type of occult practices. Were these guys high-level practitioners? Probably not. Did they do a lot of stuff? Yeah, I'm sure they did. Um, but, you know, anything they're doing in their stage show, it wasn't much, right? They, it requires a level to reach that stage of sort of being an occult practitioner requires a level of intelligence also, right? So he's a very highly right. intelligent person. And so not everybody, um, people may, ha- there's a lot of this imagery, there's satanic imagery and lyrics, but we have, to, we have to differentiate that from someone the actual usage of these these types of sacred geometry combined with the music combined with the with the gestures Um, and so as you mentioned establishing that in the lodge so we're talking about the lodge we're talking about the what he's working towards the same exact same thing that madonna is showing is that this is the end stage right the end of history so to speak you talk about in communism right you have the end of history where suddenly All there's right. no more history it just ends so and this is this is like the inversion like you say in the the you know is, islamic religion you have the kiamat which is the day of resurrection you have the day of judgment in christianity um and so these these are stage points right and this is like the inversion of that so instead of some kind Kind of heaven you know new eternal life that sort of transcends the earth it is a complete lockdown into this material plane and then and, and, and complete unending eternal slavery for those who are not the initiates or part of the right. the elite and so just to go in a little bit more here um, and i can put some of these pictures up hopefully if my videos don't get blocked. but so I, we're going to go over. So you look at, first of all, you have these 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 types of symbols. and then I'll talk just briefly about his use of rhythms. Very complex. See most, you know you have to be, he's a very advanced drummer obviously so he's able to do numerological workings within just within the space of songs and use different types of things but also if you look at the the sort of the the sacred geometry and the even the drum set itself like how many does anybody human being need that many symbols i mean come on you don't but but, (laughs) i mean you know but but so basically what we have is if you look at the wand right so the wooden wand Um, or or the the drumsticks are actually like wands and and so there's you can actually do an analysis a motion I've done motion analysis and stuff like that for more scientific type of stuff but if you look at it some examples of 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 wand movements right and these are all used in types of ritual that connects with the mind but also with you know whatever types of energies you're trying to draw on or project or if you're trying to cast a spell on somebody so here's just I'll just read through some of these types of movements and I think some of these gestures can be seen in his performance Um, so for example uh, Alvifor is this swirl above Above an object followed by a sharp tap. So this is a way you do a swirl and then you do a tap. And that right there is, this is that, ob, you know, so this is, okay, another one, force: uh, Long upward sweep from the knees. force: uh, three light but quick hopping flicks outward from waist to object. Snophores, a wow. sharp whip-like crack of the wand above the head. Uh, Ferroverto: three taps on the object. Solidify: triangulated wand flicks. pisors linked bubble loops in a tri- in a triangle shape, followed by outward push. Um, e- e- ebulio: um, extended figure eight downward in air. Pull this. Using a spare hand, pull wand backwards and behind the spare hand before pushing out. Then Okay, and then five, flanted, do large circular loop in the air followed by an outward push. And then glissio, downward flick at the ground. This is an example. There's many types of wand movements that go with wow. types of incantations. So, and I, I don't know if any of those, being a fan, any of those movements, have you seen him do any of those movements in, uh, in performance? Yes. Or
2: I mean, you should see him actually as he drums, like they'll, they'll show him on the screen. And he actually, he does use all those symbols and he never misses a beat. And he's so precise. Like he's, I've never seen, he's a beast. I've never seen a better drummer than this guy. And his arms are moving in like, uh, you know, there is large range of movement. It's not like minimalist type drumming. He's, he's all over the place with his arms. And I can imagine that what you're describing and if you think about it, his snare drum is at his waist and between his knees. Oh, wow. So, that so
1: might- Oh, no, absolutely. That's really important um, because, see, you never, right? In terms of drum practice, there is you know, it's going to make it about a hundred times harder to play the drums if you do that. Right. You know, I mean, seriously, unless, you know, unless you're just sitting on the roadside, you know, busking and having the drum between your knees. So if you're playing a drum kit to do that is, so it requires a, you know, virtuoso movement, but that is directly tied in to the, all these movements that, especially all these type of occultic movements that, that, Brian. that come from the waist. So he's actually set his snare drum up to actually be able to do these movements. I don't know. I don't, I've never Brian. heard of a drummer doing that. Right. i mean, Maybe there's someone also, else.
2: I mean, like his knees might not be exactly like, but it's, you know, it's between his legs at his waist level. Well, that's,
1: and, well, that, that's uh, all it needs to be. That, that's what it is. It's the waist level. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Well,
2: right. And if you look at his, I mean, Danny's famous for this, where he uses a Sharpie marker and he draws on the snare head, he'll draw whatever uh, image he's working through, you know, he's doing like his most famous image is seven pointed star and he'll put the eye of Horus at the top and he'll put some other markings around. I'm not fluent in that language, you know, but what he does is uh, that's the snare that he uses for the concert. And then at the end of the show, he's always done this. He would take the snare off his, off, of, or the, the head off of the drum and he would throw it into the pit and somebody could catch it. And it's like a little souvenir, but it's, Basically, he's channeling all the energy that, that comes from his wands. Like, snare drum is like the the base of all of the rest of the drumming. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, everything goes back to the snare to keep the main timing. And uh, so, like, he puts all the energy into this drum head, and that's what makes all the sound that does all of the workings. And then at the end, he takes that and he throws it into the crowd. He's like giving that energy to the crowd. And um, I've actually, like, I've seen him in Boston. I've seen him a few times. And um, in Boston, like, they're they're huge Lakers fans, which is really weird. They really like basketball, and they're big fans of the Lakers. They're from L.A. And the Lakers have this legendary rivalry with the Celtics. And the the show was played on the floor of the garden where the Celtics play their basketball. And like, I thought it was funny cause he was wearing a Lakers Jersey, you know, and uh, Danny was, and he hates the Celtics completely. And he's there and he broke his snare drum, his snare head twice. Like I've never seen this happen. He broke, he was playing so hard. He broke the head of the snare and then they repl- they had to stop everything they replaced it and then they did the song again and he broke it again it's like he broke the magic spell the gift to the fans like it, uh, it was a really weird i mean i was i was on another level when i was there at the concert but that's like what i what i got out of it is like um it it, it it's he's channeling the energy into that uh into that symbol and if you if you look at different you know, I sent you a few pictures and there's different symbols that he does. Like he does like a fader square, um, with, uh, I forget what words were in it what letters, but, um, basically like, I, I totally believe that these motions, uh, like the three taps, you can hear the three taps when, you know, it's evidence of this motion every time he hits the drum, you know what I mean? And it's, like he's studying and he's combining and he's creating this dance of, you know, of, uh, summoning elemental spirits, you know, uh, and charging this energy and then giving that energy to, to open, open minds and hearts that are, you know, ready to receive it. You know, people go to those shows and they, they take LSD and they, they smoke DMT while they're doing it, you know, they combine the two and uh, Maynard sings about that in the song Rosetta Stone. He says, uh, must've been the deadhead chemistry, you know, LSD DMT got right on top of me, got me seeing E motherfucking T. <laughs> I mean, they, it's pretty clever, but it's uh like, they're promoting the use of this stuff and they want the person to be fully huddled you know what i mean they want them to be like completely open and uh and those those uh screens that that you were talking about the image of the of the face or whatever uh those screens have continuous energy or like continuous like um images that uh support the energy that's being that's being given in the song and that seven-sided uh star is hanging right in front of the projection like that so like the projection visual gets charged through the seven-pointed star like they they push it through that before it goes into into your eyes you know what i mean so like it's focusing the energy of that image into the seven-pointed star as it's projected at us you know at the viewer so I think that's another tool that they use, you know.
1: Yes. To, it, to
2: it, tune their energy. Go ahead.
1: Well, and the one thing that's very important, right, is the consent. So you, in in a sense, um, you know, and I have to research this a bit more but it's almost like he's asking his audience he's because they can you can harvest energy as a live performer you can either give the energy you can also harvest the energy from the audience especially if they're voluntarily giving that up but let me just read some quotes uh from a close friend of the the band uh blair mckenzie blake um so this is he's saying a tool Has been known to, quote, employ genuine occult principles in their artistic outputs in both recording art design and with their live performances. However, rather than embracing certain occult cliches to shock the general populace or to establish a dark mystique, the more esoteric arcana is rendered useful for personal and artistic purposes in an attempt to gain unconventional perspectives on the multiverse. So when unpack that, huh. so this is what they're saying, okay, uh, you know, in unconventional perspectives, but what is, okay, they're saying that they're actually using, he's this guy, you know, who's friends with the band and they're actually doing this stuff. They're actually doing rituals. And again, I said, most of the time, right. um, the, the, the satanic imagery, you know, even like some of these bands, you know, they, they probably don't even, they're not even. Capable of doing that If you take someone You know Who's been trained Has that high level Of intellect I mean Jimmy Page Probably is able to do that But here's another example um, Song Ladderus From the 2001 Album Uh, Letter Alice, Alice. yeah. And so this is based on the Fibonacci. He's got drum patterns based on the Fibonacci sequence. Just the lyrics are black, then white are all I see in my infancy. Red and yellow then came to be reaching out to me. Let me see. There is so much more and beckons me to look through these infinite possibilities. So below, so above and beyond, I imagine. Drawn outside the lines of reason, puts the envelope Watch it bend. Notice so not as above, so below. So below, so above. So the low, the, the 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 Earth material plane. This is the the, the occult power will actually affect the higher dimensions and bring those down to the lower lower level so but he he, i'm not going to go through all that but basically there's numerological um each one of those lyrics each one of those little things has a different number of uh, beats that's associated so there's not only the rhythm the lyrics uh the the occult movements that are going along with it um, all the symbolism, uh but in probably even the music frequencies, I haven't analyzed that. Right. But okay, I'll just also oh, go ahead. in
2: some of the other lyrics, like there's uh the the first song on that album, uh forget the name of it, but it's it's about Saturn and the the lessons of Saturn. Uh Saturn comes around again, you know, makes you choose one or ten Malkuth or Kether. You know, they're using uh um cabalism Kab- symbolism as well. Uh and they're and they're describing the soul's journey from Saturn realm from like Neptune through Saturn and then down through all the spheres, you know, and then hits Earth, you know, like it's uh some really like high ideas, like very like and you it's funny you mentioned Blair uh Larry McKenzie that, uh, he co-wrote a book. Well, he, he wrote a book along with Danny Carey who wrote the foreword to the book. Uh, and they were basically talking about their, uh, their Crowley book collection. They're just describing it. Look at this and here's what I got. And, uh, I haven't read the thing yet. I've choose, I will, but I haven't ordered it. Um, but anyway, that they, they, so, Blair uh, Blair Mackenzie is, uh, you know, a, a Thelamite, high occult initiate um, that studies uh, Thelema, you know. So and that and he's giving a, his opinion of what Danny does, you know. And that was a great quote right there. That was um, that that gives validity to what we've been saying here.
1: Yeah, no exactly uh, and, and I just um you know what so we're gonna just wrap up the first hour here we're gonna we're gonna continue okay. on more into this this really fascinating territory but I just wanted just to um I'm gonna read uh, just a few more quotes about this so um so so but they're also known to um uh, to, to remove any residual energy from any previous recording artists in the studio. So that could be residual positive energy to wipe it out. So in a sense, even when they go into a studio, they're doing occult rituals that's going to affect the energy of that space but here's blair mckenzie talking about it and render the circle absolutely impregnable which means that so it's almost like they've left their mark on that space so again uh, this is from uh, blair mckenzie uh occult paraphernalia such as talismanic boards parasemiotic symbols and panticles not to be Fused with pentacles, are also utilized in both recording sessions and during live performances. With these highly charged magical machines, are often insigiled with specific desires. Now, we could probably spend huh. half an hour going through all these words, uh, but insigil means that they're <laughs> creating sigils. Some may be of a protective nature, while others are others are as devised. Hopefully, ensure a successful outcome. In the case of the pentacle mentioned above, this could be seen as a microcosm of the operator, or, quote, the great storehouse from which the magician draws, to use. Uh, Alistair Crowley's definition and the operators who Saturn, Kronos. Okay, going on. Uh, drummer Danny. <laughs>
2: well, the magician, the magician doing the working, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, I mean, the op- the op- This is, this is,
1: this, is, this, is uh, this is operator in in in, in a, with a capital O. So this this relates to the, the divine operator, oh. which is a, yeah. So he, this is his writing. So he has a capital O. Okay, okay. next, just continue here. I'm
2: not reading it with you.
1: I'm just, yeah, yeah. No, right. So drummer Danny Carey often surrounds himself with sacred geometry and occult diagrams based on magic correspondences. At one time, a large modified representation of Dr. John Dee's Enochian Sigillum de Anemeth was suspended behind his drum kit during live performances. But other talismanic boards and even the drum heads contain examples of perfect geometric shapes, including pentagrams, tesseracts, hypercube, unicursal hexagrams, heptagrams, anagrams, and an interpenetrating. Creating variations of each in an attempt to charge the drum set itself a knight's templar artifact brought back from the south of france was melted down along with numerous recycled pasty symbols that comprise his jack oak o- pasty bronze custom craft kit additionally each drum weighs a philemic 93 pounds Although this could be wow. purely, purely Quisinau. they've He's got, he's got something <laughs> melted down like a temp. A, and there, I got a, There's a picture here of that, that John D thing. And then, um, and it's all it just, just, just to tie it up here. So, um, well, you know what? We could keep going. Cause this is super interesting going to the lesser key of Solomon and all that. Right. But ju- yeah, just one yeah, thing yeah, to mention yeah. Like here. Uh, yeah. Is, is that um, there's, there's cases where crews will not touch their equipment. You know, they've got the local sound crew. They won't touch it because they're so heavily charged occultically and these symbols and all this stuff so, so they, they literally won't touch the mixing board they won't touch this or that um so so it's it, so i i don't think that we're really making a stretch i mean well not we're not making a stretch he's 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 saying it no. in fact his this is you know even a much more detailed description and again each one of these things you know in you know in inokians right. so these are and there's have you seen he's got these uh i think they look like either electronic drum pads or practice pads and these are completely inscribed with Enochian text all around them on these. Uh, right. Yeah. So super interesting. But um, do you want to say anything just here? To, before we close out here? The first first segment?
2: Um, I guess uh, just if anybody has any more information that they want to add, uh, or if you want to uh, send me any message or whatever, you tell me you hate me because you don't, you don't think I'm saying the proper thing, ruining that for your, your favorite band, whatever. Uh, send me an email. It's my name, S-E-A-N-M-C-C-A-N-N, at live.com, L-I-V-E.com. And uh, I appreciate any, anybody's, uh, you know, words or uh, I just, you know, it's good to connect with people, other people that think about this type of thing. And um, I'm happy to speak with you. Uh, I'd I'd say you're the, the best person to talk about this subject, and I appreciate it.
1: Sure. Yeah. No, thanks for, uh, thanks for doing it. It's, it's definitely interesting. And, uh, if, you know, I'm super busy here. I got to run and do a, get ready for these concerts, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely interesting. And I just want to say this. I don't, I don't think, no, I, I know you cannot debate whether or not they're doing this. It's, it's there, <laughs> they're admitting it and you can't, you can't help but see it. But what the diff, the distinction, again, I want to stress this is that you're going to be hard pressed to find out I don't really know of any other group that does, you know, there'll be embedded stuff in bands. They may, you know, put stuff through, but to have this level of ritual working from the minutiae, from the snare drum play, play placement to you know the smallest little detail to the largest aspect right. of the whole experience being directly linked to this stuff, and we can go into the Babylon working and all this stuff. So this is high occult. I mean, every drum he has weighs ninety three pounds. 93, <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah, and it's like brass, like colored like gold. You know, it's amazing. Like it's the shining sun. And if you're at his concert, if you're at a tool show, when they set up the drums. They have like a cloak over it, and they reveal the drum set, and the entire crowd cheers for like five minutes just for the drums. Like there's nobody else on stage. They're cheering for the drum set itself.
1: The drum set is I like, mean, I've
2: never seen that. I've never seen that. <laughs>
1: it's like a living being or something.
2: Yes, and like only at a tool show, like nowhere else. Like at every and and every show that I've been to, they it always happens. Like they worship that drum set. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, Good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, no, it, it's 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 definitely really interesting. Um, and then again, you know, these are there are certain things you can use for types of energy. But well, you know, I you know, welcome to the you know, if you want to step into the uh, the hypercube and just be permanently trapped. Go for it. Support tool. No, I, I, cause I, but anyways, all right. Well, Sean, thank you so much. And then we will, we will connect again soon here and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do the second, uh, second portion of this.
2: Okay. That's great. Uh, uh it's been my pleasure. All right. Take care. All right.
1: So I'm going to go ahead and play a 15 minute excerpt from Mark Passio talking about the hypercube symbolism. I thought it was quite interesting and he goes into a lot of detail and Mark was, uh, I don't know him personally, but Sean does and Mark said, no problem, go ahead and use it. So uh, thanks Mark, we're going to go ahead and play this clip because I think it's uh, pretty relevant, pretty interesting. And by the way, I just made that music up on the fly right now. Go buy it. I'm just kidding. That's how easy it is, right? But, anyways, here is Mark Passio talking about the HarperCubes. I'm going
3: to have whole. I'm going to build whole presentations on nothing but the dynamic of what order following actually is, and try to make it so simple that a two-year-old could understand it. Okay. So, the next piece of symbolism is the hyper I think this is the last piece of symbolism. Uh, how are we doing on time? I think I'm way ahead uh, in this section. Oh, oh, great, I'm right on time then. Beautiful, okay. Uh, uh, so, right now it's uh, five, um, 4.30? Yes. Perfect. Okay, the hypercube is depicted here by this really cool animation. I finally found a really good animation of the hypercube that explains the concept of the cube inside the cube moving endlessly through itself. Thus, in dark occultism in particular, the hypercube represents an eternal prison. It's a very, very concealed and high level symbol in dark occultism. Many times this will not ever be shown or talked about with a lower level initiate in the occult. All right, so we're talking about high level dark occult symbolism now. The hypercubes' meanings or interpretation are total control, total domination, entrapment, lockdown, no escape, permanent imprisonment, I really should have wrote on here, and permanent slavery. No way out. The mind is taken. The soul is taken, it's gone, okay? And it's in the trap, all right? So I hope people can really understand how this is a perfect symbol of that because it's like the earthly contained within the earthly, the symbol of the cube or the square, and it's full four-dimensional perspective. That's what the hypercube is. They, they call this the extruded cube. It's a cube rotated into all other dimensions so that it becomes what is considered a 4D object. You actually have many cubes there rotating amongst each other, okay? And again, what it represents is dimensionality or densities. If you look at the dot as having no dimension, as just a single uh, point in space-time, it has no depth, width, height, anything, that would be 0D. If we extrude that, if we pull that through one dimension, that becomes a one dimensional object or a line. If we then extrude the 1D object, it could become a plane. And now we have a two dimensional object, a plane, a square, etc. Then if we take that and we extrude the square, we have a square here and we extrude that through another dimension, we get a three dimensional object or a cube. Now what if we were to take the cube and extrude it and pull it through another dimension of space which is very difficult for our three-dimensional brains to even extrapolate. What it would actually somewhat look like visually is the hypercube or what's known as the tesseract in mathematics. That is a four-dimensional cube, a 4D space cube. Now, in one of its... 2-D projections, if we rotated this in a certain way, this cube, we would get this two-dimensional projection of the hypercube. And you see that the 2-D projection of the hypercube is outlined by an octagon. The outside edge of the 2-D hypercube projection in this orientation is the hypercube. So in dark occultism, whenever you see the octagon, or you see the eight pointed star, the the two squares laying at a 90 degree angle over top of each other. Almost invariably, you're talking about the hypercube and it's just a two dimensional projection or variant of the hypercube. And I'll show you what I mean by this. Okay, the first thing is the hypercube in its octagonal projection is used by the police, particularly here in America cops wear this really strange eight-cornered hat. It's an octagonal hat and it's black. And they're putting this once again on their heads. See, the dark occultists who design this stuff and who understand what it means symbolically and understand what it projects energetically always target the brain, you know? They're not taking body shots, they're taking head shots, okay? So they put this symbolism on the head of the person who's doing these jobs. So here's the, the eight-cornered hat from overhead, it's clearly an octagonal shape. The stop sign put on every American street corner, the red octagon, it's a symbol of the hypercube. The word stop carries a vibratory energy. You know, First of all, at 90% or more of the places where a stop sign is embedded, you don't need a stop sign. The first person who gets there goes, or another person, if they get there, it's one and one. You know? That's how you basically do it in, in any street system, in, in any major city anyway. I never really, I always fail to understand the logic of people who can't get that concept of the one and one. Of to, you know, I see them all the time in South Philadelphia, unfortunately. Usually they're from out of town though, but um, you know, th- this is, this symbolism is rich in police. This is where they use it the most. Now. When you look at what the hypercube symbolism means, again, it means total domination, total control, enslavement, entrapment. We're not talking about these people being in control or in charge. We're talking about them being in the prison, being in the trap. They're the ones who are being ruled by the symbolism. You know, they think they're the people who are in control, who are making decisions, who are controlling other people. These are the perfect house slaves who are ruled by the real dark occult masters who are putting this satanic symbolism all over their bodies. And they don't even know it because they're so stupid. Literally, I mean, look, I'm just going to say it like that, folks. I don't care who gets offended in the room. I don't care who gets offended out there in internet land. You know, these people are stupid. They haven't seen the inside of a book since they were like five years old. You know, they don't read. These are people who don't read, period. I'm not going to be ruled by people who don't read. Not in this lifetime. You, you'll take me out of this life, but I'm not going to be ruled by them. And, you know, secondly, even if they did have some book knowledge, there's still no common sense there. It may be all intellect. Doesn't make a difference. If it's not balanced by heart knowledge, it's not real intelligence. If it's not balanced by the knowledge of common sense of the difference between right and wrong behavior, it's not real intelligence. It's only intellect. Which, you know, that will get you destruction every time when it's not balanced with the sacred feminine. So, you know, here's the Sussex Police emblem. One square. Two squares, again, that's another projection of the octagon or the hypercube because look at the enclosed space. The enclosed space is the octagon, okay? So two squares overlapping each other, always in occult symbolism means total control. We control it all, including the mind. There's no escape, okay? The hypercube is the enclosed space. And where is it? On the head, once again. As the badge on the third, you know, the, uh, third eye location or actually above that on the crown. And you know, let's combine that with the checkerboard floor of the house, why don't we? You know, we have a nice one-two punch there to mock our house slave. You know, and these people don't even care about themselves enough to know that they're house slaves. Half the time, you can't offend somebody with that phrase because they're so stupid they don't even understand the historical connotation of what a house slave meant. That's really sad. That somebody can't, you can't look them in the face, call them a house slave, and have them get offended. They're not intelligent enough to be offended by that phrase. You know, that's about as sad as it gets. I know I'm hitting it a little bit hard with the harshness, but you know, hey, I'm going to call it like it really is. So, you know, here's um here's some more hypercube symbolism on the so-called Medal of Valor. You know, you have so much valor for following orders. There it is. The double square with the inverted pentagram with the goddess in the middle of the inverted pentagram. And in a moment I'm going to show you the goddess in the middle of the octagon and the double square. <laughs> right here. Not too far from here. You know, Special Forces Army. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) The very badge itself was surrounded by the octagonal shape. Oh, and then we have the, don't forget the trapezoid around it, which represents the truncated pyramid without the light. You know, you want, could it get any more satanic? I, I don't know. You know, I was a priest in the Church of Satan, and I'm telling you, that's more satanic than any emblem I ever wore. You know? Around Fort Knox enclosing the gold, symbolically the alchemical gold, you know, it's the gold bars that are no longer there, but you know, we're going to enclose the whole place in the octagon. Again, it represents security, lockdown, etc. cetera. Yeah. The octagon is the fighting ring of, you know, extreme fighting where, you know, the maximum damage to the human brain happens. Hey, you know, say what you will about the martial arts, full contact stuff that can actually have damage to the brain, I feel is like ma- masculine posturing. Um, I understand it's a competition of force, but you know, at some point, uh, you know, if aggression comes my way, I'm not about trying to prove I'm the better fighter. You know, at, at that point, if it's about your freedom and your life, it's about taking the other person out, that's it. And it's not about, it's not about proving anything to anybody. You know, it's about at that point, am I the better shot than you? You know, so it's used in, um, in uh, security systems constantly. It's one probably the main or only shape that's ever used in security systems anymore, because that you know, they use that archetypal symbol of the octagon or hypercube to represent that total lockdown. Now, very close to here in Manchester, just in Hartford, this is the Hartford City Hall. It's a huge phallic symbol underneath that huge phallic dome in this temple. And I'm telling you, it is an elaborate, ornate temple, this place if you've never been to it. Art took Barb and I there yesterday for a little tour and the architecture is impressive, okay? It's it's beautiful, but when you step into it, you realize you're in a satanic temple, you know? Because here they have the goddess, right underneath that huge phallic symbol of masculine energy. She's encased in that phallic symbol and the energy that's within it representing masculine domination, the law of man. And what do we have down at the bottom there, folks? The double square surrounding the goddess's platform. Yep. There it is taken from above. You have the sun and the moon encompassed in her base there, and she's standing on that pedestal and the double square surrounding her. I couldn't obviously reach out far enough to get it directly overhead, so it's slightly skewed, but you can clearly see the two squares. And then this is, if you go right to her feet and you point your camera up, you're looking at the dome, look at the shape of the dome, the octagon right above her head. I'll take it back so you can see that. There's the double square, right above the goddess's head as you're standing at her feet in this temple that is the main uh, you know, the main iconography from the outside is a huge phallic dome. Then that is the underneath side, that is the top of that phallic dome. She's standing right underneath it. And if you actually look up from the bottom at her feet, it's an octagon right above her head. So she's she's surrounded by the octagon, octagon bottom and top. But there's nothing to that. It's just you know it all just worked out that way because of the architecture. No, they didn't plan any of the architecture for this building or hire some of the best you know stonemasons and stoneworkers probably in this whole region of the country. No, it's all just accidental. They happened to put the goddess there. They happen to put the double square around her. They happen to put her inside of a big phallic symbol. They happen to put the octagon directly over her head. All just happen that way. That's called coincidence theory at its finest.
1: All right. Well thanks everybody for listening tonight and we're going to go ahead and close out this wonderful evening this wonderful evening spring weather and um, we'll probably continue with these topics probably have Kathy back here in the near not so distant future and just want to wish everyone the best appreciate any support Hansletter at Hotmail.com definitely would like to increase the level of my output in this Region of exploration and trying to get to the bottom of things, etc. cetera. And I do have to eat. I don't have to eat, but I probably should eat, right? Um, but anyways, um, again, thanks to Sean, thanks to Mark Passio, and we'll finish up the information on Tool in the next couple of weeks, and uh, we're going to continue with the um, material we covered uh, two weeks ago, and just keep going on and on, right? And I wanna, I got a couple emails, so I appreciate uh, people letting me know they're listening. You know, I sit out there and I, I think there's just me and, the, me and the crickets, and that's okay too, you know. But it's nice to connect with people, and I definitely wanna try to get this material out more. Unfortunately, YouTube has cursed me. But anyways, I uh, wish everybody all the best, and enjoy the rest of your week, and have a wonderful Memorial Day. And, all those pleasant things that make up the enjoyment of a well-balanced life. All right. Well, good night, everybody, and see you next week.